Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and it is show number 162. Happy to be uh, on with you. Happy to be live here on Facebook, Voice Ed Radio Canada, and a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Super excited to be back. I, I took last week off, you know, it was spring break, and uh, I decided to uh, take some time. So, I haven't been on and, uh, you know, kind of missed it a little bit, but happy to be back with you. Show number 162. We are going to meet Jimmy Casas here in a moment. Uh, I've been trying for 161 shows to get Jimmy, and we finally got him. Uh, so kind enough to uh, spend some time with us between uh, his work and the work he's doing. Uh, so we are going to meet Jimmy in a moment. And for all of us educators, for all of us education uh, leaders, uh, Jimmy is one of the guys that is getting it done out there and, and, and really thrilled to have him on. I do want to thank Rios Gear. Rios Gear sponsored today's show. I was out at Supervision today on the bus stop. Uh, and if, uh, you know, the springtime is in your, your area, warmer weather, finally can be back out. Uh, Riosgear.com. Use the code Marana15. If you're lucky enough to get on the water, these float, and I absolutely love them. Uh, Rios has become a friend, and I uh, appreciate uh, uh, all they are. They're out of Charleston, South Carolina, so check them out. Use the code MARADA15 uh, and check out riosgear.com. We've got to get Jimmy for when he's traveling to get some uh, get some uh, Rios Gear sunglasses there. So we're going to talk to Jimmy, uh, but I want to share a quick story. I'm at the National Principals Conference a couple years ago in Boston. Uh, this happens, that happens, boom, Jimmy. Jimmy fills in for a different session, right? I wasn't, he, I, I wasn't able to connect the, the first time around, and boom, he filled in, and it was on hiring, right? And you, and you hear like, oh, hiring, like, oh, what's that going to be about? Well, he just killed it, and we've all been to sessions. We've all been to things where we've taken stuff from the presenter. I took everything that Jimmy Costa shared that day, and it totally changed my mindset uh, on hiring. Uh, and, and I'm going to ask Jimmy about that today. But Jimmy talked about making the candidates, you know, having that desire to want to work for you, not not the mindset of can they work here, right? Uh, but, you know, having them dying to work there. I had never called my candidates in the past. I always had a secretary call them, and Jimmy modeled on how to do that, right, that I call them. I do a little pre-screening with them. Uh, and I love how when Jimmy spoke about he modeled it, right? He said, hey, uh, Mr. Smith, I, I see that you applied here to Port Jervis schools in New York. Uh, and, and why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself before we uh, you know, get to an interview? And you have some little chit chat with the candidate and you feel them out. If they can't make the time slot that you have, you work around to get them in somewhere else. I set up student uh, greeters, right? We told them where to park. The kids, we knew what kind of car they had. The kids go out and greet them. They bring them in. They give them a bottle of water. 
put their uh, their their bag down. What usually happens when a candidate comes in, right? You make them sit in the waiting room. They're waiting there. They're a half hour early because they want to impress you. And now they're sitting there, you know, spinning for 30 minutes. Whereas now you can have a student group bring them around. I know it's a little challenging with COVID, um, but, uh, uh, you know, just totally changed my mindset there. I was grateful to uh, Jimmy. I got a chance to go up and meet him. And then, boom, we've been in touch ever since. Uh, and uh, really just grateful for that opportunity to learn more about hiring. It's springtime now. It's April. And uh, certainly uh, this is the time you're meeting candidates. So you want to learn more about that, uh, I'd be happy to share it with you. But let's hear from uh, Jimmy himself. Let's, let's bring him into the show, Jimmy Casas. Boom. Jimmy, welcome to uh, Education Leadership and Beyond. Well, hello there, my friend. It was great listening to you. So thank you very much for having me on, on today. I'm super jazzed. You're right. It's been a long time since we've been talking about this, but I'm glad we finally made it happen. So thank you so much for your patience, and uh, I appreciate it. So thank you, Andrew. Yeah. And Jimmy is a busy guy, but he's out changing leaders, impacting leaders, working with leaders around the country. Uh, and, and again, for Jimmy, the people that don't know who you are, right? If you're an educator, you better know who he is. But if they, they don't know you, Jimmy, give us a quick introduction as they get to know you during the show. Sure. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Just uh, like many of you, I uh, went into the profession because I want to change the world, right? I want to make a difference for kids. And, uh, you know, just like many of us, uh, went down a path and thought, mm, maybe that's not for me. I'm going to go into education and give that a shot and fell in love with it. I started my career because I volunteered in an ESL program when I was in college and immediately got hooked and changed my major and decided to go that route. And and uh, as life would take us down a path, I just feel very blessed that I was able to uh, land in that role and, and started my career in Milwaukee Public Schools as a classroom teacher. And then went to uh, on to become a principal at the age of 26. I took my first principalship at a middle school in Milwaukee Public Schools and and then served in leadership positions in school for 22 years until about four years ago. It's almost four years, Andrew. That's crazy. Wow. That I decided uh, because in my 16th year as a as a principal, I actually took on a leadership coach in my building. And that gentleman changed my world, changed my life. And I said, I know someday that's what I want to do. Because I kept asking the entire time, why did it take 16 years for someone to walk in my building and teach me all these things that I had no idea what the heck I was doing? Because we do the very best we can. And I thought, that's just not right that we're putting school leaders in positions where they just don't understand the complexities of the job that they're doing. And, and we're really leaving them uh, or leaving it to chance, right? That they're just figuring it out as they go along. And unfortunately, uh, there's so much scrutiny on the work that we do, Andrew, you know this, and, and it doesn't take long to lose credibility and the whispers to begin with, I don't think he knows what he's doing. Uh, you're right, I don't. Somebody help me, right? And so um, I knew then that that's what I wanted to do someday. And I was just blessed because I had some good fortune come my way. And uh, I give a lot of credit to the National Association of Secondary School Principals, NASSP, for that. I give a lot of credit to Dave Burgess for that, for allowing me to believe in me and writing a book called Culturize. And, you know, the world just came together in a perfect storm and I saw an opportunity. I thought, you know, who knows, maybe I can make a living at this and give it a shot. And and I haven't looked back. So I just feel very blessed every day for people who give me an opportunity. But I have a passion for wanting to help others. Um, but certainly I have a passion for wanting to help school leaders and because I know how difficult the job is and, and we need to support them. Because at the end of the day, the bottom line is this. 
um, you, you find a great school, you're going to need a great leader there, right? You don't see too many great schools without great leaders. But at the end of the day, we need people who are in the position, but understand how to build a community of leaders to help them lead the organization. That's probably one of the biggest things I talk about is we can't do this job by ourselves, but then how do we do that, right? How do we actually build this culture? And part of the reason I wrote Culturize, Andrew, is to give people hope and faith that things can be better, that we can actually make a difference, that it doesn't have to be uh, something that ends with, um, did I make a wrong decision, right? Is this even worth it? Am I making a difference? Um, and start questioning and doubting that what they're doing, does it even matter anymore? And I'm here to say that it does. It's the most important job there is, that of an educator. Uh, regardless of what our roles in, in schools, I always say, if you have a heart for kids, uh, then we'll take you because that's really what we need. So. And so that's where I'm at today. I'm just uh, spending my days trying to do the best I can, trying to help uh, other educators uh, become the best versions of themselves. And that's what I try to do because I realize that, you know, we can sit here and blame the world and blame the kids and blame the parents and blame the teachers and blame our community and blame everybody. But at the end of the day, we got to own it and look at ourselves and say, what could I do differently? How could I manage myself differently? What are some things that I could do? What have I contributed to that? How did I maybe create that? And if we can begin, begin to self-reflect more, then I found that to be very powerful because all we can do is become better versions of ourselves. And if we can do that, my experience is then other things around you become better because you became better. Uh, and so anyway, so I try to help people see that. And I know you're doing it around the country. Before I get to your work with principals, Jimmy, you mentioned about getting people on board. And, and I opened with that story about hiring, right? And whoever, who would have ever thought that going to a session would be so life-changing about hiring, right? People think that's boring. But you made it something that came alive and was so practical. And I literally took all of those tips. How did you learn about that? How did you start doing those things, like the personal touch of the student greeters and all of that. When did you start doing it? And when did you realize this is an important component that I need to share with other people? Well, first of all, we gotta thank Todd Whitaker because Todd's flight got canceled and he couldn't make it. That's true. That's <laughs> so, true. He came to me and said, Jimmy, can you pinch hit for us? I was like, when? Like, uh, first thing in the morning, I'm like, you tell me at eight o'clock at night? Yeah, we need a session title and a description. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's true. So that's how it happened. I just walked in that morning and decided to do something on hiring because, again, for me, it was something practical. It was something they don't teach us in principal school, right? They don't teach us how. They tell us hire great people, but no one tells us how to do that. And part of it came around in my own frustrations because have you ever done this? Have you ever experienced this, Andrew, where you hire someone and you're so excited and you, you're, you're, you're bragging about them and saying, we got a great one. She's going to be great. He's going to be awesome. And then two or three years later, they're not so great, not so awesome anymore. Like what happened to them? Well, unintentionally what happens is we begin to blame them. We say, well, this, this, that, right? And and so the thought of it is this, is this, because it isn't just about the selection, right? The hiring component, but there's gotta be a framework to it, right? It's not enough just to find hire great people, but how do you sustain that, right? How do you retain great talent? And so it's really an idea of looking for talent, not just right, looking for the right fit, but it was really transforming the whole entire hiring process. Because when you think about it, we typically, when we go to look for candidates that we're bringing them into our buildings, we're focusing on what kind of questions we're gonna ask, how many questions, what's the interview. And it's a pretty basic question, you know, pretty basic process in most schools. Again, there are exceptions to that, but for the most part, it's pretty typical, right? We've got a hiring season, 
We put out a post looking for a teacher. We put a group of people together. We bring them in. We interview them for 30, 45 minutes, maybe 60 minutes. We do a couple of reference checks. We call them up and say, hey, you want a job? And then we come on board and then we throw them in a classroom and then we wonder why they struggle, right? I mean, it, it, something's wrong with that process. And so I often say, if we don't get the results that we want, then we have to go back and re-examine the process because something's wrong. We're doing something wrong in that process. And so with the help of my admin team, we began to explore this. What do we need to do differently, right? It's not the candidate, it's us. We need to change differently. And so all we tried to do was align it to who we were, align it to a set of core values and what do we want at the end of the day? We want people to come, if you think about it, if you hire four people or interview four people, excuse me, three of them aren't gonna get the job. So how do you create an experience, right? So if you think about culturize, think of the core values, carry the banner, that means create an experience for others that when they leave or walk away from that in interaction, they carry the banner for you because they walk away going, wow, what an experience. In other words, you gave an experience that they're not used to, that they've never experienced before, that they want to be a part of that, right? There's your core principle number four. Create an environment where people want to be a part of something because people want to be a part of something great, right? And so if you start thinking about that, we just started aligning it with a set of core values from Culturize. And therefore, what happened is you just create a different experience for them, right? And so that's what that really was all about. But the mindset was this, Andrew, is it isn't about your typical hiring practices. It's about how we behave during the hiring process that creates a culture that is great. And it impacts and influences not only the candidate, but every member of the school community who's a part of that process, because it gives us an opportunity to shape the thinking and remind us why we went this profession. Because if you think about it, People, when they sit in an interview, are at their most genuine, sincere core about wanting to work with kids. And yet, two, three, five, 10, 20 years in the profession, they are doing things that they would never have said in the interview. They're behaving in ways that go completely contradictory to what they said in the interview. Why? Because they've lost their way, right? That person sitting in the interview is the real them. Those responses were sincere, they were genuine. People heard them and said, I wanna hire that individual. And look where we at, some of us today, is we are behaving in ways that goes completely against what we said in that interview. We talked about how we were gonna champion for kids, how we wanted to get to know their stories, how we would never quit on them, how we would never take it personally, how we would understand what they were going through. We would be empathetic, we would be compassionate, we would communicate with their families, we would never, you know, all these things that we would never quit on these kids, and yet we still have people quitting on kids every day. So that's the idea is the framework has to be, it isn't enough to hire great people. It's for us to change us during that process to remind us why we went into the profession and more importantly, create a process where we can continue to grow and develop and multiply their talents. And hopefully at the end of the day, we get to honor them. And how cool is that if we can create an entire framework? And so it's just thinking about it differently. And this is what I love about our profession is that we have the opportunity to create change in really significant and meaningful ways that can impact not only schools, but entire communities if we just begin to see it differently and more importantly, do it differently, right? So. Jimmy, even just talking to you now, you, you have the ability to talk about creating that change and the look having people look within, but without making them feel bad about themselves, right? You talk about you know the blame, right? People looking outside, not looking but to look within. So how do you do that? How do you coach principals? How do you work with teachers 
to have them look within without being resentful of this guy saying, I'm not doing a good job, right? It's a tricky. <laughs> it, it is. And part of it, you just have to be really honest with them, right? You know, I don't know. And, and also, you know, first of all, I don't have a perfect monopoly on this either, right? I'm no different than you or any other principal who just loves what he does, right? But I do think there's value in understanding. It only makes sense to me, right? Like I tell people all the time, like I'm not an agitator. I don't just say things flippantly to say, oh yeah, and just upset the apple cart. But I actually have a thought behind it. Like I'm gonna try to share it with you and explain it to you in a way that if maybe, just maybe you can see it the way I see it, here's the best part if you think about this, cause all this just, it all aligns, right? It, it all interconnects. If you think about our cultures, most of our cultures are about compliance, right? Well, I don't want to tell you what to do, right? I don't tell people what to do anymore. I used to, right? That's what got me where I got me, right? On the edge of the couch, right? Wanted to leave the profession. <laughs> but if you can begin to think of it differently, is how do we share it in ways that get people to see it differently? So I try to influence the way people think about things, right? Because I know that if I can influence, just like that day in that room, if I can influence you, I didn't tell you to go back and do your hiring differently. I just said, hey, there is another way. And if I could influence you, in other words, describe it in a way that you could actually not only see it, but maybe almost experience it. You could almost feel it, right? It's like, can you almost feel it? Then maybe, just maybe, I'll have influenced you enough that you will go change your own behavior. And that is healthy and that is sustainable. And that's what I call a culture of investment, right? It's not a culture of compliance. I'm not making you do it. You'll do it because I'm your boss, but it won't sustain, right? And it's not healthy. It'll create all sorts of cultural issues for us, right? It'll create a subculture or the undercurrents, I call them. So it's the idea of getting people to see it. So how do we do that then, Andrew? And that's the skill set, right? And that's where we go back to, well, how do you get out of compliance? Well, then I go back to a framework because that's just how I think about everything, right? Because that's what helped me, in my opinion, get off the edge of the couch and get back into the job and begin to believe I could make a difference again. So a framework for me is, is I call it a 60-30-10, like 60% over here, like I'm coaching, right? I know we have to evaluate people, whether you're a principal, whether you're superintendent, whatever your role is, any supervisory role, but we have to see ourselves as coaches, right? If we walk in as an evaluator, we're gonna create a culture of compliance. They're gonna do it, but it won't sustain. And quite frankly, eventually they won't do it again. And then we just get this revolving door. If you think about it, it works the same parallels with kids. Look at the way we discipline kids. We punish, we punish, we punish. It's compliance, compliance, compliance. And this is why we get what I call the, you know, the frequent flyer, right? The wall, the, 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 the constant circle of kids coming back, the same kids over and over. But we keep blaming the kids because our processes are ineffective, right? It's easier for me to blame the kid than it is to look inward and reflect and say, nope, I don't know how to do this, right? And, and that, and that, you have to let go of an ego in order to do that, right? And so if you think about it, there's a lot of coaching that takes place. So I try to stay in this framework like about 60% of the time. I call it a 60-30-10. 60% coaching, 30% collaborating, which means now we're partnering. Hey, what about this? Have you tried this? What if we did this? What if we did that? If we, you know, why, you know, why this? Why that? You know, so we're just collaborating together. And then the 10% is consulting. Coaching, collaborating, consulting. And the consulting is the telling people what to do. So that's why I don't consider myself a consultant. I hate the word because I don't want to tell people what to do. I will if I feel like I have to in order to protect them, right? Because again, sometimes we don't see it. And so sometimes I will tell people, hey, I don't think that's a good idea, but I'll tell them why. 
and I'll explain to them what the potential issue is that they're going to create for themselves so they can see it. And then they'll make their own decision not to do it because I was able to visualize it for them or create a visual for them that they can see, oh, no, if this, then that, uh, maybe I won't do that. Right. So so part of it is just telling people, hey, listen, I did what you did. I do have credibility. So that helps. Right. Twenty two years. It's not like I just walked off the street and haven't done it. I live that, so I get it. And principal, principal of the year in Iowa, national. Right, because there's a couple of awards that went with it. <laughs> I mean, because I did do it, it does bring me some credibility. But at the same time, I'm also working in schools every day, and I'm interviewing principals and interviewing superintendents and doing problems of practice and and seeing all these scenarios. And I try to go to a framework to help people see that it isn't doomsday. We can get through this. There, there's a better way, right? And and how do we do that? And what's the framework that we use? And that's the framework from Culturize I try to create to help people so they don't get themselves in bad situations. Again, I've been there. So I've messed it up. Everything I talk about, Andrew, I've done it. I've messed it up. But again, I did the best I could. It's not like I wanted to mess it up. I mean, somebody helped me, right? And so that's my point is that if I had my coach in year two or three, Look at all the emotional toll I could have avoided on myself, the health issues, right? The personal issues of the stressfulness of the job, of the health that we sacrifice, of our marriages and our families that we sacrifice because I thought I was supposed to give it to everybody else. Wasn't I a servant leader? Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Well, wasn't I supposed to work harder than everybody else? Aren't I supposed to be the first person to work? Aren't I supposed to be the last person to leave? Aren't I supposed to work all weekend? No, 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 right? (laughs) But that's what we think. Because why? We want to be great at what we do. And so that just created a lot of issues. So I try to say to people, hey, listen, I'm not here to judge. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. It's because I'm trying to understand how you think as a leader. I'm going to give you feedback. You can do with what you want, but I'll at least explain it to you in ways that hopefully you can begin to see what I see, what I couldn't see then that I can see now. And once they see it, Andrew, Andrew, here's the best part of it. Once they experience it, you can just see it. Just like a kid with a light bulb, they think, wow. Why have I not done this before? You know why? Because they didn't teach us that. So that's why I try to coach people now. Well, you're teaching it. You're modeling it. You use the word influence, Jimmy. uh, And and your latest influence is is your latest book that just came out, Handle with Care. Uh, You wrote it with your former colleague from your school in Iowa there. Yeah, tell me, tell me a little bit about this newest work and, and what are you hoping that comes from? Yeah, so my co-author, Joy Kelly, she's amazing. She's, uh, in fact, uh, you know, she's still living it right now as the principal uh, uh, at the school that I was the principal at. And so I'm just really proud of that. We've spent a lot of time together. We have a lot of history together, a lot of stories together, a lot of tears together, a lot of laughter together, right? A lot of emotion together. A lot of successes and quite frankly, a lot of failures together, right? And that's just what happens in our role. Um, and so Handle With Care, the idea was to come back, similar to Culturize, to go back, grab those four core values and use them in different ways to help people understand how we're handling all of the members of our school community, right? And what does that look like? How are we still taking those four core values from Culturize? Be a champion for not only the students, but be a champion for all members of the school community. How we continue to expect excellence. What does that mean? How we're carrying the banner, how we're being a merchant of hope, how we're not only taking those core values, defining those core values, but helping people understand if you live these core values, 
and you actually model these in your processes and how you're handling the members of your school community, your results will be much more positive, right? Again, these aren't perfect systems. I would never be that disingenuous, right? There are no perfect systems, but there certainly are ways to do things better that give us better results. And if we could see it and we understood how to, why it makes it sense and how we can do it differently, but handling, you know, handle with care is all about how we handle the members of our school community, but it's also about how we handle ourselves, right? And so if we begin to look at it that way, we are still in cultures that are very punitive, right? They're very, very punitive in our systems, not just for kids, but for our adults as well. And so an example just today, Andrew, I was talking to actually Joy and she was telling me that she was at a principal's conference today or a meeting, I should say. And they were talking about an incident that happened at a school and the principal had asked for some advice how to deal with a student who had pulled a fire alarm and somebody had paid the student you know, for the fire alarm, right, to pull the fire alarm. And it's typical for us often to fall into punishment mode, right? Suspend the student, expel the student, maybe make them pay this, do this, do that. But what happens a lot of times is we forget the teaching component of that. I'm not saying that we shouldn't hold kids accountable, but if you look at it from a disciplinary measure, we should be disciplining students in ways that teach them, that help them develop better skills and hopefully is that they learn self-discipline. That is the whole reason we should be disciplining others is to teach them self-discipline, right? So we avoid the frequent flyer, the, the revolving door, right? We've got to teach the skills. And so those restorative practices are still really, really critical. So how do we culturize discipline? How do we discipline differently that's more done in a more dignified, a more respectful, a more caring, compassion, empathetic way. And what does that look like? So we try to be really practical and giving examples of that, real scenarios that have happened and why some of these stories break your heart and yet how we can behave differently when we are working with students or our colleagues or adults, whatever happens to be the case. And not only in school and discipline in terms of behavior, but one of the areas that people kept coming back to me and asking me after culturize was it really is no different for the softball coach or the football coach or the band director or the drama teacher. Co-curriculars are a haven, Andrew, for all sorts of undercurrents and cultural issues, right? Again, we see this all the time. We athletics and co-curriculars can create all sorts of cultural issues for us. If you start thinking about playing time and cuts and treatment of kids during those events, those types of things create issues for us too. So how can we come back and culturize our co-curricular programs? And more importantly, how can we culturize just the school pride of our school? What can we do differently to bring more pride, to create an environment where people want to be a part of it, right? Because again, I think people want to be a part of something great. I think people want to be great. Um, I know this. We see people all the time. We, we, we want to dismiss people. We want to fail kids. We want to kick kids out of school. We want to fire teachers. I get it. But there was a time they sat in that interview chair and somebody hired Amanda and they thought they were great. So what happened to them? Is it really them? Or was it our system that wasn't there to support them and grow them and develop them and inspire them to want to be great? I think it's us. Every time I think it's us. I'm getting fired up now, Andrew. Andrew, I'm you getting are, fired up. You are. You're getting fired up. I don't think you just see it, okay? You just see it going. I can't help myself. Because it just, part of it, there's a there's an inner there's an inner part of me that I know I did that. There's a, there's a guilt of that as well. You get that, right? Like, I know I did that. 
I quit on kids. I quit on adults. I ran teachers out of the building. I did that. But I look back on it now and said, that's what I thought I was supposed to do, right? Like, I didn't know any better. I didn't know there was a different way that I could still help people and remind ourselves that people don't want to fail. So how do we help them? So anyway, just my thoughts. Yeah. And Jimmy, you're modeling this, you're writing it, your blogs, your thoughts for the day, so many things. Uh, you know, here was a great compliment from Todd, because another thing you're showing people is how to speak, how to be an impactful speaker. And you mentioned our friend Todd Whitaker. Uh, he's one of the best. But here's what he said about you, Jimmy. Jimmy Casas is one of those people that when you listen to him speak, you think he is speaking directly to you even though there are hundreds of people in the audience. Jimmy's passion and his energy, right, and you're getting going now, are contagious. And his presentations are not only inspiring, but leave his audience wanting more. He's a can't-miss presenter and one of the best around. So let me ask you, uh, Jimmy, because principals, school leaders, they're, they're talking to their staff, they're talking to teachers, they're talking to parents, but some aren't connecting. How do you make those people in the audience feel like you're just talking to them? Well, I think part of it is, you know, I mean, I think I give people enough credit, right? I mean, think about it this way. Here's the analogy I'll use. So when I interview students today about what makes a great classroom culture and climate, you know what's one of the first things they say to me? They know which teachers are all in and which teachers are not. There's something about uh, the disposition of the way people conduct themselves. They don't just say it, they actually live it. They're demonstrative in the way they behave. They show it, they, they model it. So if we're gonna do a presentation, here's how I see it. If that presentation is 60 minutes, Andrew, I got 60 minutes to connect with that audience. That's all I get. That's all I get, right? I don't have 180 days, right? And this is why I say, if you think about school in general, we have 180 days to connect with our kids. There's absolutely no excuse not to know every intimate detail of kids by the time they leave our classrooms at the end of the year. It really isn't, right? If you think about it. But it's no different than the interview. That's how I coach people to interview. You got 30 minutes when you walk out of that room. They got to believe that they can see you as part of the team. You got 30 minutes to connect with these individuals. So how do you do that? Well, part of it's just the way you talk to them, the way you engage them, the way you interact, the way you use your voice, your intonation. All those things create a sense of personalization. We are all directors of first impressions, Andrew. Love and the idea is I need to create an experience for these individuals when they walk away, that's all they got. And I got to create an experience for them to carry the banner for me, right? I'm trying to, but it, it's not perfect. I mean, not everybody walks out going, yeah, Jimmy Costa. Some people walk out and go, oh, right? I get it, I'm not gonna hurt my feelings. Look, you know, I just do the best I can. That's all I can do. But it's interesting that people who sometimes want to be critical have also never done this. That's what's interesting, right? And we know this. It's easy to sit up. What does Brene Brown say? It's easy to sit up in the stadium, up in the rafters and criticize. Don't you walk down here and do this or don't you even dare say anything. Right. You've never done it. But that's just the way our culture is. So, uh, so anyway, so I just try to be me. I try to be real. Um, I try to be genuine. I try to be sincere. I try to live what I talk about. Uh, but I'm not a perfect being either. Right. But I will say this. If I screw it up, I'll own it. I don't have a problem doing that. And uh, we're all going to screw it up. And uh, but. Again, life comes at us sometimes 100 times, you know, 100 miles an hour. So when people behave in ways that are kind of interesting or not quite our expectation, I always think this now. This is how I see it. I wonder what's going on. I wonder what happened. I wonder what's on their mind. I, something happened, right? I give them the benefit of the doubt, 
right? I just don't become critical and say, what a jerk, what a this, what a that. Well, you know what? Again, if you if we took time to invest to understand, we know this, Andrew, that people behave the way they behave. You behave the way they behave. I do, the, your audience does, based on past experiences. And those past experiences that I've had in my life that people don't know, 90% of them land me where I'm at today. And so if you want to understand who I am today, then you got to understand the Jimmy Costas at five, the Jimmy Costas at 12, the Jimmy Costas at 17 who got expelled from school. You got to know that Jimmy Costas because that Jimmy Costas became this Jimmy Costas today. And it's no different for you, Andrew, or anybody else. So that's why it's so powerful when we champion for people that we understand. That means to invest our personal time to understand those stories because if we're not willing to do that, then we basically just devalue people. You're not worth it. And when we can't quit on people because human nature is people want to be successful. They want to be great. They want to be cared for. They want to be loved. They want to be respected. And again, I'm not saying there aren't people who are the exceptions, but I don't make my life decisions based on the exceptions. Yeah, right? And so I try to just connect with people um, in the short amount of time that I have with them. That's, that's all you can do. That's a great compliment. And I felt that when I was in your hiring committee, I felt like oh, the, the thing and I felt that you were talking to me. Jimmy, I promised I'd get you out of here on time. I feel like you and I could talk forever. We could do a, a podcast marathon. We could see who could out talk each other. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. I, that's that's the downside. But, you know, when you do it for a living, what are you going to do? It is what it is, right? Good, good problem to have. Jimmy, real quick, before we get to rapid fire, you mentioned about uh, principals working too much, too much stress, too much, you know, doing too much and, and burning themselves out, not taking care of themselves and their family. You know, some quick tips of advice that you would offer to those principals to take care of themselves, self-care. Yeah, first of all, just some real things that, you know, I could think off the top of my head. Number one, don't feel like you have to be the first one there and the last one out and there all weekend as well. Don't feel like you have to be the principal who on Friday night is spending all Friday night blasting a bazillion emails, wakes up Saturday morning and does the same thing, right? Remember, you could create a culture where people will say, I can't keep up with him or her, right? That's an exhausting culture. And we got to be careful about that. We can't tell people take the weekend off and then we're just blasting with emails all weekend long. I want to take the weekend off if you quit sending me emails, right? And so we just have to think differently like that. Building capacity is critical. Again, don't try to be doing this job by yourselves. The one thing I do try to work really hard with building principals is to take advantage of their building leadership teams. They need to put processes into place, right? They need to create a system is how do they use that building leadership team to help them lead the organization, right? Because remember, other individuals, when we're working with them, will see things we don't see. And we need their eyes, we need their help to help us lead the organization to avoid what I call those undercurrents in the organization. Because if you only, you will see the culture here, they will see this culture and we need to make sure that we're getting those eyes. That's what culture eyes is about, seeing the culture of your organization through the eyes of others. So just make sure they're being really intentional about that. Intentionality and investing in others and getting to know those stories and building those relationships is critical, but use your people to help you lead. Awesome, well said, Jimmy. Um, let's get to rapid fire here, Jimmy, and uh, we'll get you on your way. Um, these are quick hitter questions, Jimmy. The first thing that comes to your head. <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm on Family Feud here, right? I, like, what happens? Little... Am I gonna freeze? Like, I'm gonna not. Wrong answer, didn't it? Try again. <laughs> uh, we have some friends watching. They'll let us know if you get All it. All right, sounds good, buddy. Here we go. The last book you read. 
Uh, well, the book I'm reading right now, I actually, I read a lot of manuscripts. So today I read uh, a book uh, by, uh, well, not today, but here recently, Eric Scheninger has a new book coming out. It's called Disruptive Thinking. So I read that. Um, Dan Butler, I read his book here. He's got a manuscript too. So, you know, I'm reading a lot of manuscripts. That's what I'm doing right now. But probably the last one, I just opened it up and I started reading it was uh, Ross Cooper and uh, Aaron Murphy. I don't know if you've seen that one, Project Based Learning. And so that's the one I'm looking at right now. So if you get a chance to check that book out, uh, always good stuff. Awesome. And Eric Schillinger's become a friend. He coached us here in Port Jervis and uh, uh, great stuff also. Married a girl from Staten Island, my hometown. So. Oh, there you go. You New Yorkers, I tell you, y'all stick together. <laughs> Last movie you saw. <laughs> Last movie I saw. Jeez. Well, COVID doesn't help, buddy. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Can I go with Netflix series? Um, <laughs> Cobra Kai, man. I just finished the third season. Cobra Kai. There you go. Yeah, there you go. You know, I'm an 80s kid, right? You know, karate kid, you know? So. My cousin, right? Got you. I mean, it's the last movie I watched, to be honest with you, because of COVID, right? But, oh, it's probably like, uh, uh, what's the Elton John movie? I probably saw one of those or the, the uh, one of those musicals. That's probably the last movies I saw because I saw them all because I loved them all. Yeah. Queen. You travel, you travel a lot of places, Jimmy. You're uh -huh. Moving. Where's your favorite place to travel? Oh man, still got to be Hawaii. You can't just be. There's something serene about Hawaii. Just, just chill, right? So I'm gonna say Hawaii. You put some pictures out there. I saw it. Your favorite music? I uh, gotta go with country. You've talked about a lot of passions, things that get you going. What's a what's a pet peeve? What's something that gets under your skin? <laughs> uh. Can I, do, do I have to be honest about this? <laughs> uh, geez, you know me, I can't help myself, right? This is where I get in trouble. This is where I get in trouble. Uh, let's see. I think something, you know, I have, I, have a hard, I have a hard time with people who whine. I have a hard time with whiners and complainers. You know, at some point, just own it. The day's going to be whatever you want it to be. If your life's that miserable, then you have bigger problems, right? So, I mean, I know there's people can be impacted. But I always say people are responsible for their own morale, Andrew. You know, you don't like it, do something about it. If other people are impacting your morale, and I know that can happen, then we've got to figure that out too. But at the end of the day, I still got to own it. So I just, I, it's hard for me, people who, who complain a lot. Someone gave me a tiny violin and I play it every once in a while. <laughs> I mean, I just think we have an abundance of blessings. Focus on, focus on that, right? I mean, I, and I'm not saying people can't vent and, you know, Proper place, time, manner, just like anything else. But some people just like to whine a lot. And so, again, if you think about what I said, there's probably a reason for that. So we better understand what those reasons are. So, When people walked into your high school and you spoke a lot about culture, what is, what is something that you'd hope they'd, they'd say or they'd notice or they'd feel? Well, I know this because I worked at their, my last school for 14 years and people always said this. So it was a large school by Iowa standards, 1,600 kids. And one of the best compliments I think we'd always get was I can walk into a large school, but it doesn't feel like a large school. It feels like a small school. And I love the way people connect with one another and interact with one another. And so that always made me feel really good because I feel like that's a really healthy culture when kids are talking to kids and kids are talking to adults and adults are, talk, adults are talking to kids. And I think they just felt that connection, right? They walked out of there and they carried the banner for us. And I feel really good about that. Best purchase under a hundred dollars that has had a great impact on your life. <laughs> uh, let's see. 
under a hundred dollars. You live your excellence t-shirt. Huh? Oh, well, yeah, that too. But uh, it's a good reminder. I'm going to go with, uh, well, okay. Uh, what the heck? Uh, I'll go with hair clippers. I just cut my own hair, you know, 39 bucks. I never have to go to the barber. You know, when you don't have any hair anyway, it's pretty easy. So I'm going to say uh, cordless hair clippers are the bomb. Because then I cut my hair every week. Just keep it nice like this, right? Iowa or Iowa State? Come on, Andrew. I'm a Hawkeye, man. I'm a grad. My whole family's Hawkeye grads. Iowa Hawkeyes all the way, buddy. Black and gold never gets old, buddy. Black and gold never gets old. I, I had them go into the uh, final game there, and that ended pretty quickly for me. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was heartbreaking, trust me. But, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> Living in Iowa is fill in the blank. Well, hello. It's like heaven, man. You know that. <laughs> Feel the dreams, buddy. Feel the dreams. Well, there's just there's the next question. The field of dreams is what's in Dyersville, Iowa. <laughs> uh, the field of dreams is uh, it's like a little slice of heaven. Yeah, the Yankees. If you can dream, right? It allows you to dream, right? That's 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 what's awesome about life. You gotta be able to dream it, man. One of my favorite movies. I love it. Yeah. Uh, the best tip that you would have for a principal during this COVID, Jimmy, something something that they're going to see that and say, he's right. Um, I'm going to say keep it simple. I think we're trying to do too much, and I think we need to go back to the foundation of who we are. So when in doubt, I'm always, always a believer that it's just like anything else. When you kind of lose your way, you go back to your core and your foundation and you go back and invest in people because that will never let you down. Focus on relationships, invest in people, believe the best in people and uh, and do that. You know, just give your time to other people. That's the most precious commodity we have is our gift of time. That means a lot to people, probably more than gifts and other things. So I'd say that. Yeah. Keep it simple. This was Jimmy Casas here. His website is below on the scroll. But anything you want to learn about his business and, and, and the work he's doing, coaching, we're, we're trying to get him here in Port Jervis to come and speak. If you have a chance to go see him at a conference, do it. Uh, it is life-changing, and uh, I, I know you're out and about uh, at a lot of places, Jimmy. So uh, any last words to, to people? Our friend Kyle Roddy, he's a new principal. He's watching. But any last words, any parting words to our audience here? Well, just thank you for being, you know, for those who uh, jumped on, I appreciate that. And, and more importantly, Andrew, this was just nice to connect with you. I know we've been talking about it and, and uh, it just kind of makes me wish we would have done it earlier, but I'm glad we got it done. And the good news is I know it'll lead to more opportunities and more opportunities to connect. I'm excited about seeing you in Colorado this summer. I know that we're going to be there together. So uh, dinner on me. So no argument there. Can't wait to connect further. But I would say this is there's going to be all sorts of reasons uh, and things coming at us to believe that we can't make great things happen. So one of the things I always try to share with people is this mantra in your head, right? Because I'm a big believer in living our lives with mantras, right? And one of those was this. Don't tell me why we can't do something. Tell me how we're going to partner together to make it happen. Right. Because the idea is if we don't believe that we can make that happen. Right. We can't if we don't believe we can inspire people to greatness. If We don't believe that we can take kids and turn them around. If we don't believe that we can take a colleague who's lost their way and inspire them to be great again, then I'm not sure what we're all doing here. I don't know why you're here. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm doing this. 
So you got to keep hope and faith alive. So continue to culturize, continue to live your excellence. Don't talk about it, people, but do your very best to live it. And most importantly, handle those people in your life that you love dearly, handle them with care. And God bless everybody for what you do. Jimmy Cassis, everybody, check him out. Uh, big on Twitter as well. Uh, Jimmy, hang on a second. We're going to get this music out. Uh, it's been an honor to have you on. Uh, and, and again, check out his books. Uh, I got that last one on the way. Jimmy, thanks, man. This was great. You too, Andrew. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Uh, hang tight. We're going to sign off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving, show number 162. Here we go.